Welcome to Tracklisting, a podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old albums for some reason. Nick. Chris. And I'm Caleb, and this week it is my pick. I am picking from 1986, Stand By Me. Woo! Yeah! Man, 1986, my uh, my birth year. Yeah, yeah. This is going back. Um, this is actually we put out a call for uh, recommended uh, soundtracks for us to review a while ago on Instagram, and my friend Sunhi, she recommended that we do this. But this was actually uh, not only a movie that I saw when I was very young, but a soundtrack that I owned um, when I was really little. I had like a collection of records. Like my parents didn't have records, but my brother and I did for some reason of like, you know, we had like five or six or I don't know. And we had this one and I don't, I have no idea where it came from. Probably like one of my aunts or uncles gave it to us and uh, I listened to it nonstop. <laughs> so I'm very familiar with this uh, really old, really short soundtrack. It's classic, classic. Uh, as my girlfriend put it, it's sort of like American graffiti light. Maybe <laughs> like a There's lot, of, a lot of crossover, a lot yeah. of cross, like a v- American graffiti soundtrack was, is it like a double or like four disc or something? It's yeah, like it's, kind yeah, of it's a crazy. ton of music. <laughs> yeah. Like half the budget <laughs> of the movie was spent on that soundtrack. Yeah. Nice tight 10. So it's going to be a good episode for you. Uh, this is a movie that I don't think I had rewatched since I was probably like maybe 10 years old or something. Yeah. I've seen it a couple of times since I first saw it, but I remember um, we watched it in school and I remember our class was like losing it at uh, some of the, God, what was it? I think we watched it like uh, during like a school retreat or something like on the bus and it was like, look, I know there's some swear words in here and it's pretty naughty, but this is a a very important movie for all of you to watch. (laughs) I Yeah, it's a little salty for kids, but uh, yeah, let's jump into the soundtrack. Track one, Buddy Holly, Every Day. Every day seems a little longer. Every way love's a little stronger. Come what may, do you ever long for true love from me? Every day it's a getting closer, going faster than a rubber coaster. Love like yours will surely come my way. Hey, hey, hey. Twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> I think on one of the releases, because uh, I think this was the B side to Peggy Sue. Mm-hmm. It was uh, credited to Buddy Holly and the Crickets, which is pretty funny because I think it's just Buddy Holly and like somebody slapping their leg and like, yeah. like walking <laughs> feel or something. But uh, I was like, "What's that noise?" Slapping <laughs> <laughs> of his thighs. <laughs> it's called percussion. Uh, <laughs> All right. Buddy Holly. I like Buddy Holly quite a bit. Obviously, famously died when he was uh, only twenty-two. Yeah. Um, part of that like early wave of white rock and roll i would say you know he would open for elvis and uh i think he came from more of a country western background Mm -hmm. and he was crossing over from that but i i like buddy holly quite a bit yeah i know him from uh the weezer song uh and that's about no (laughs) no buddy Holly's great (laughs) i know him from the gary Busey collection (laughs) 
Yeah, how was I? I haven't seen that full movie. Is it? I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Listeners, write in. Uh, is it accurate? Unclear. <laughs> is Gary Busey? It's that's like pre losing his mind. Gary Busey too. Um, yeah, I think it was like maybe his first like feature that I, that I can think of. But uh, well, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to watch that sometime back when we're all together. Shout out to uh, Gary Busey's uh, latest theatrical venture, uh, Only Human, where he played a uh, god off Broadway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this uh, yeah. this song has been used quite a bit. Uh, it was in Big Fish, Gummo, and we need <laughs> to talk about Kevin. Uh, oh! So took a, took a dark turn towards the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, so uh, Nick, you just watched this movie for the first time. This I would say this movie is kind of darker than people remember it. I remember as a kid, I, w- I was like, it stuck with me more from the disturbing, like uh, the body and the leeches and <laughs> and fucking yeah. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, the the two scenes that like I, I think I remember most vividly were the the vomit fest and um, the leeches on dick or balls. What did he rip it off from? Balls. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it was kind of interesting watching it now, like in my early 30s, having never seen it. I was just trying to think what I would have, how I would have been experiencing it if I was, you know, watching it as a kid. And I would have been freaked out by uh, the many times that they almost get hit by a train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I should say this movie is set in Oregon in, uh, I think, 1959. And uh, so I'm from Washington State, so it seemed very, you know, I actually spent a decent amount of time like walking on railroad tracks in the middle of nowhere, like putting pennies and having trains run them over. So like the setting. This movie was your life. Yeah, except for it's uh, it's based on a Stephen King short story. The body. Yeah, all of the references are very obviously it's supposed to be in Maine. Yeah. I think they just switched it because they were shooting out in Oregon because it was cheaper or whatever. So, like, <laughs> a little bit, the character names, the last names, Duchamp, Lachance. Yeah, they're Tessio. all, like, French-Canadian names. <laughs> yeah, yeah De- De- Hard- Desjardins. It's like, yeah, they're, okay. And then, <laughs> so, another thing is that I was terrified and still am of leeches because of this movie. Oh, yeah. And I, th- I think a lot of, like my young life because there were constant like ponds and stuff and i was constantly like worried about le- there's no leeches in the fucking northwest yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's good <gonna be>, yeah <laughs> that's hollywood for you hollywood, pure hollywood so i was reading up on stephen king uh for this and apparently when he was a child he witnessed somebody get hit by a train and he was like traumatized and in shock and he didn't, he has no recollection of it actually happening. And then he didn't, like his parents didn't know why he came home, like shaking and unable to talk. And like, you know, ob- obviously the, this movie draws a lot from Stephen King's upbringing in his own life. Yeah, it's a little bit meta, right? Because the, uh, the main character turns out to, uh, you know, Richard Dreyfuss is narrating the film. Yeah. And then at the end, you know, it's the, the whole story is his recounting and making a, a book out of, uh, this whole story. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. I think that a lot of that was not, um, I haven't read the short story, but my, my understanding is that a lot of that was added into the screenplay to flesh it out a little bit. Um, so I, I don't think that Stephen King's version was about uh, him being a young writer, but maybe it was, I don't know. I, 
I think it was it was narrated by the the main guy. Uh, it was like the Richard Dreyfus character in the novella too. But um, but you could be right. I need to read it. All right, let's jump into the second track. Track two, "Let the Good Times Roll" by Shirley and Lee. Come on, baby, let the good time roll. Come on, baby, let me thrill your soul. This song is playing uh, when they're in the junkyard hanging out and they, you know, ruin that old man's day. <laughs> after they- We should talk about who the kids are in this movie if people don't remember. Yeah. You got famous Will Wheaton, who went on to be Wesley Crusher, which is funny. I, I was When I was a kid, I was, uh, I was big into Star Trek The Next Generation, and I don't think I had made the connection that it was the same kid. I, I'm finding out just now. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> uh and then um river phoenix Phoenix. yeah rest in peace rest in peace and then fat kid jerry o'connell yeah dude oh he's so great in this movie who turned out to uh marry uh rebecca romaine stamos right yeah he turned out all right (laughs) honestly he turned out the best of that cast (laughs) he's doing great man yeah i love jerry o'connell i think he's great uh cory feldman's second appearance on the podcast He's on Cameo. We, we've watched some uh, Corey Feldman Cameo videos. For $300. Get out of here. Um, I, maybe his best role. This or Goonies, I think. I, I was blown away how good he was in this movie. He's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of the interviews, I think, uh, it made it seem like it was so well cast because it was <laughs> Rob Reiner, who was the director, he did a really good job of finding the kids that were essentially the characters he was casting. Yeah. So it was like, and he like Corey Feldman had a terrible family and was like <laughs> super pissed off at them. God, man. And he uh, apparently uh, Rob Reiner made them all like hang out together for like a month doing improv games, <laughs> just to like get the friendship, real friendship moments you saw on screen. Uh, they would recount. They were like, "That was that was the real friendship that we actually had." And I like, I don't, I don't, I didn't remember how uh, troubled Corey Feldman's character was. I thought he was just kind of... I don't remember the ear thing at all. It's no. really dark. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, <they're> also- <laughs> um, but yeah, I always thought River Phoenix sort of like took most of the burden of being the um, like the moody one or like, you know, the troubled one. And I also, I watched that Rick and Morty where they're kind of playing off Stand By Me in, um, in one scene. It's like the Tales from the Citadel episode. And I couldn't oh, yeah. get it out of my head that he's like, like, why are you being so dramatic right now? He's like, because I'm the only Morty that had a drama implant in me. And it's like clearly <laughs> like the River Phoenix character from Stand By Me. <laughs> oh, man. I read that uh, apparently during the filming of this, uh, River Phoenix lost his virginity. Oh, God. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No way, man. Fake news. <laughs> Jesus. There was a there's a great piece of trivia that Kiefer Sutherland says um, there was a Renaissance fair happening near and like everyone you know from the cast went to it and um, then they bought a bunch of cookies and uh, they ate them all and all the kids you know 
and they all ended up being uh, pot cookies. <laughs> and then, like, and just madness sort of fell. And then they found Jerry O'Connell, like, <laughs> like crying <laughs> out somewhere in a field. And they're like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's pretty amazing. Pretty great. Pretty great. That's organ for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just Jesus. <laughs> Let's get a uh, little taste of the Dell Vikings on track three with Come Go With Me. is probably on the podcast the first appearance of what i like to call soul music's bastard child doo-wop <laughs> is, uh, soul music with a dash of barbershop quartet you don't like yeah. doo-wop dude come on i mean this is mr sandman uh, it's not doing this those songs we're gonna hit on here is probably some of the best examples of doo-wop but doo-wop itself it's uh i don't know it's pretty it's funny because like we're going to be talking about a lot of music that's I maybe call it like proto rock, where it's like early days of rock and roll, where people were still trying to figure out like what rock was going to be, and it was all these influences from like you know obviously the blues and like uh, gospel and cunt- like country western, and I guess it's got a little bit of that barbershop quartet feel. The Dell Vikings—they're out of Pittsburgh, and I think that I read that the the name they they added the Dell to be like mysterious. I don't think they realized that they were calling themselves the the Vikings. Oh <laughs> uh, wow! What's like? I guess there's the Delphonics um, that came out a couple of years after this, but that's one word. I, yeah. I, don't even, I don't know if Delphonic even is a word, but I don't think so. And the Shondells, and I don't know. Something about Dell just has a good ring, just has a good round sound to it. Wikipedia says that the uh, the Dell Vikings uh, in France are actually a uh, an anti fascist black youth subculture with a oh. love with a love for American classic cars, doo wop, and early rock and roll. <laughs> That's kind of like the, like the Japanese rockabilly scene, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> these guys were they apparently formed in it, it was a bunch of people in the air force and they formed i think yeah when they were stationed in pittsburgh and they went through a few members before they like uh became professional but i will say it's kind of interesting there is one white guy in this group and it was one of the earliest like integrated uh rock or soul or kind of pop groups that i yeah. think exist yeah this song was also in um american graffiti and uh diner yeah, <laughs> and uh, also Joe versus the volcano. Great film. Great. One film. of the best. <laughs> I uh, I also read that um, their original recordings were lost in that uh, 2008 Universal uh, oh, Studios no. fire. That, that was so so tragic. So many Just, tapes. Tell me the tell me the Dell Vikings. Tell me the recordings were saved. <laughs> No! The Dell Vikings? Oh. Jesus. 
I've got good news for you guys. What's that? Track four is also by the Dell Vikings. <laughs> Hit it! Whispering Bells. That's a it's a little skiffly. I like that song, but I I cannot put my headspace in a place where you would be walking down the street and hear that coming out of a radio and be like, "What is that new sound?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very true. I was I was about to say how much I like that song, but then I was like, I would never listen to that just on my iPhone or like it. No, I never put it on during a party. I think it's pretty good. It's definitely. It's kind of bizarre in that it has like a, you can hear like some early Johnny Cash, like country Western influence of that, like country Western into like rock and roll. And then you have like, obviously the barbershop quartet style vocals. And I think there's some pretty aggressive saxophone that lay in like halfway through that track. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe. It's, it's pretty good, but uh, I was trying to do a lot of things. <laughs> Are you a are you a bass? Is your voice a bass, Caleb? Oh yeah, I think it probably is. Well, I'm a soprano. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, are you a are you an alto? What are you? What's your uh... tenor? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm just saying, we get one more man, uh, one more man, and we can do a barbershop quartet. <laughs> it's always the quartet. Oh, oh, oh hey! Breaking news. This just in from Stereogum.com. The Dalai Lama announces debut album, Inner World. (laughs) Inner World is an album collecting various chants and mantras from the hashtag Dalai Lama. Setting the Tibetan spiritual leader's words against music for the first time. It's out on July 6th, coinciding with the Dalai Lama's 85th birthday. (laughs) Take that. All right. All right. We're looking Double at you, threat. Pope Benny. Where you at? You gotta gotta do a clapback album. <laughs> First of all, I'm gonna correct you on, on two accounts there. Oh, geez, I said Pope Benny. <laughs> pope Benny, who yeah. is the the retired ex pope. It's yeah. uh, pope, pope Francis now. And, Sorry. Uh, Edit and that secondly, up. in 2015, uh, Pope Francis released a prog rock record <laughs> called <"Wake laughs> Up." Oh yeah. Where have I been? Uh, I look, the Dalai Lama's put out one of the tracks from this album so far, and uh, it's actually like pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's very relaxing, you know. I just wanted to throw a, a diss track in there just to <laughs> to call out another religion. <laughs> you know, I heard the uh, I heard the Dalai Lama speak. Did I ever tell you guys about that? No. no. What does his voice sound like? Uh, exactly what you think it would sound like. Beautiful. Um, yeah, um, uh, it was my sister's graduation from Tulane, and uh, it was in the Superdome in New Orleans, and uh, it was like eight in the morning, and it's at the Superdome, so they sell booze, and uh, I got like a giant double um, Bloody Mary, 
And, you know, like graduations take forever. (laughs) Just reading names and like um, Dr. John played. It was awesome. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, the Dalai Lama came out and spoke for like 45 minutes and I hated it. It was I I was, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like the most important thing I'm probably going to see live. And I just like within five minutes, you know, he doesn't English isn't his first language. And it was he was kind of stumbling over his words a little bit. But it, it just rambling nonsense, <laughs> uh, something about like, you know, this is a new millennium. Let's make this a peaceful millennium. That was the big takeaway. But I was pretty deep into my cups by the time he started speaking, <laughs> pounding Bloody Marys. So anyway, I'll tell you, man, these are the things that I that I miss about the pre COVID era, <laughs> like just being able to get drunk in a stadium and and just like heckle a, a spiritual leader. <laughs> Those were the days, man. The days of our youth. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Stereo Gum for the uh, important breaking news there from the Dalai Lama. Hashtag Dalai Lama. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out on Spotify. <laughs> Let's jump into the next track. This is track five. This is the silhouettes with Get a Job. Still, uh, anybody out there collecting those unemployment checks still? <laughs> oh, man. We're touching on kind of the creepiest aspect of... Uh, I, I think that most, if not all, of the music here is like actual period-specific to 1959. I think a lot of... I was looking at some of these tracks. I think a lot of them were released like 57, 58. So they would have been on the radio. Uh, but back then like all this music was very specifically written for teenagers because that's who the audience was perceived to be. Yeah. And so it's a lot of grown men like singing about like, you know, your first kiss and like 13 year old girls. And like, this is a job about somebody, you know, a song about uh, some family like yelling at their kid, like, why don't you get a job? And he's like, I don't know. This song was also on the American graffiti soundtrack. Is this the same soundtrack? (laughs) <laughs> two songs this ago is, one of the yeah. Del Vikings is on there too yeah this is the cliff notes of the uh, American Graffiti soundtrack <laughs> um, this song famously covered by Sha Na Na um, <laughs> and this was one of the songs that they sang at like uh, at Woodstock yeah 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 <laughs> oh, just yeah. like wrong crowd <laughs> wrong crowd <laughs> Telling us to get jobs. Fuck you. Fuck you, Sha Na Na. And like Jimi Hendrix comes on like two sets later. The silhouettes. What more can you really say? The, the song was also in the Trading Places soundtrack. Mm-hmm. This song's been in quite a bit, apparently. I was looking. Okay. I was just going to say that Rob Reiner, so uh, famously, or kind of famously, um, when Stephen King saw this film, he was like, <laughs> kind of rightfully, he was like, oh my God, this is the first time somebody made a movie, one of my stories, and it's good. 
Yeah. And he just started crying. He was like, it's so, such a relief. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he famously heavily disliked uh, Kubrick's yeah, the Shining. version yeah. of The Shining. Yeah, famously hated it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took some liberties, but fuck, man, that's one of the best movies. Yeah, um, top five movies of all time. But Rob Reiner he went on to uh, direct Misery, which is another Stephen King story. So he, he did a lot with Stephen King um, after this, and Stephen King was like, "All right." He, he basically gave him first uh, right of refusal to a lot of his movies or, or a lot of his adaptations into movies. I think uh, he did the same thing with is it Frank Darabont who did um, did Shawshank, and then I think he did uh, The Mist or whatever. The Mist, I love yeah, that movie. Yeah. Rob Reiner also did like The Green Mile, um, oh, Misery, okay. a couple other things. Um, but yeah, Rob Reiner talking about it, it was like they gave him a, a private screening and uh, he, they changed a few things. Um, but he said, um, like right after the screening, Stephen King was like, I, I need a minute. And he like, took a, he like took a walk and they were like, he hated it. Oh my God. Like, what have we done? He's going to be so pissed. And then he came back and he was like, that's the best adaptation of any one of my film or any one of my books. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that, uh, Spinal Tap is based on a Stephen King short story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he, Rob Reiner was only really known for Spinal Tap and like maybe one or two other things before directing Stand By Me. Yeah, and, and he talks about how this was the first thing that he was like, okay, this is like in tune with what I want to do uh, and this will kind of get me out of the shadow of my dad. Like, you know, his dad was big into satire and so he... You know, Spinal Tap was a satire and a parody. And so this was like, the, he was like, my dad would have never done anything like this. And I identify like with like, you know, wanting your dad's approval, uh, like the main character. A lot of people trying to escape the shadows of their fathers in this uh, production. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, it, it's a, uh, so Rob Reiner, he did uh, Spinal Tap. And then after that, he did The Sure Thing with John Cusack. Mm-hmm. And then he did this where he brought Cusack in as the... Uh, it reminded me of um, the Big Chill. Big Chill. It's the Kevin Costner is the corpse. No, it's the, it's Bill Paxton is the corpse. No, no, it's Kevin Costner. What? They, they, they filmed a bunch of stuff. Classic uh, and it got cut out, and then you just see you just see like framed photos of Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> big Costner fans in this house. Yeah, there's like was that Kevin Costner. I could have sworn uh, it was Bill Paxton, but I'm, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll Google it on the break, and you can rake me over the coals if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Costner. Um, it was uh, at the end of the movie. Um, you've got River Phoenix, uh, and he's like, at Kiefer Sutherland's basically threatening him with a knife, and then Gordy picks up the gun and shoots it into the air. In the novella, uh, it's River Phoenix's character that picks the gun up and like, you know, gets ace out of there or whatever. And then Stephen King was like, you're right. God dang it. You're, I should have had Gordy. Ah, oh, it makes so much sense. And then like Rob Reiner was like, Oh, sweet. All right. Cool. <laughs> Speaking of like, uh, like Stephen King through lines, bullies were definitely a, a thing in like the seventies and eighties, like much more than they are now. Yeah. But in, in Stephen King novels, bullies are the fucking, craziest psychos in the world <laughs> it's, it's, a window. it's like it's definitely just like the world that stephen king like grew up in like he obviously got bullied harder than anyone we've ever known 
Because like in it, they're just like homicidal bullies. Yeah, like carving into that one kid's stomach. Yeah. God. And like Kiefer Sutherland, I, you know, I should say he's perfectly cast. He's, he's so like, good. He's so good in it. Like the scariest fucking bully. Uh, but yeah, just like homicidal, these guys. Like I always, when I remembered it, it was like, oh yeah, I remember them like hitting the 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 uh, post boxes with the... Uh, with a baseball bat, but no, they're like <laughs> stealing cars and trying to murder people. And the- yeah, man, you, you don't mess with the cobras. <laughs> cobras. I think uh, Stephen King is uh, having the last laugh on all yeah. these guys. Yeah, man. Oh, but you're so right. Like River Phoenix's brother is standing right there, and then <laughs> Keeper Sutherland's like about to stab River Phoenix, and the brother's like. Hey man, come on! And that's all he says. You're like, dude, intervene! Your brother's about to get murdered. That's another thing. Is uh, when I was remembering the plot, which I again I haven't seen in you know 25 years or something. I was like, oh yeah, there's like some sort of cash reward or something. That's why everybody's trying to find this dead kid. But no, it's just like everybody's like, oh, they'll get our picture in the newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> like, what? I just want to see a body, man. It was the 50s. If we get if we get out there first. They'll they'll put our names in the newspaper. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that as twelve year olds, but I don't get it for the Cobra Gang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we found this dead body. I I, rem- I I I completely misremembered it. I guess I thought it was um that Kiefer Sutherland had killed the kid accidentally and didn't want them finding it, which would have made more sense. And I think I should write yeah. a letter to Rob Reiner and Stephen King. Yeah, they just didn't want to get uh, get caught for stealing cars. <laughs> yeah, we get like, a picture in the Castle Rock Gazette, and then we get a key to the city. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, who gives a shit, man. <laughs> Let's do track six, the Cordettes, Lollipop. Lollipop, 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 So I should say the uh, Cordettes are four white ladies from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I don't know if you can tell from the <laughs> sets. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, it, I think it comes through in that. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at the uh, the track listing here, all these uh, songs on the soundtrack are exceptionally short. There's not a song on the soundtrack that's over three minutes long. Yeah, man. <laughs> this ain't no hacker soundtrack, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Nine prodigy songs. A lot of people you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, Philly Soul and certain uh you don't hear about the Sheboygan sound in Wisconsin <laughs> Underrated. <laughs> very underrated, my friend. And very underrated sound. It's like Lawrence Welk bullshit. <laughs> you know, it's like oh man, the widest TV show ever created. <laughs> that uh that polka Sheboygan sound. The song was it was written by somebody else, Ronald and Ruby, and performed by them. And then I think that this was the kind of the successful cover by uh, 
a group that was mostly involved in acapella, which makes uh, doo-wop look like fucking rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> they're also uh, they're famous for uh, Mr. Sandman. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Now I'm listening. Now you have my attention. <laughs> um, 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 um. Uh, Lynn Evans Mand uh, just passed away recently at the age of 95 on uh, yeah. February 6th of 2020. Rest in peace. Good run. That's a good run. 95, yeah. Good job. They did a uh, vocal version of the themes from Zorro. Nice. Hit me with some more facts. These are yeah. uh, these are excellent. <laughs> had that uh, had that Zorro theme song go? Do you remember? <laughs> That's a good point. I have no fucking idea what the Zorro that theme song famous is. Famous Zorro theme song. <laughs> I remember. I remember seeing like reruns of old Zorro uh, episodes on Disney way back in the oh, day. Yeah. I watched. I watched all those things when I was a kid. No idea what the theme song is. Zorro 1957 to 1957 and 1959, opening theme. Zorro, 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 on Disney Plus, <laughs> all episodes of Zorro are streaming. Perfect. Gives a shit. Deeper than the Disney vault. <laughs> oh, Zorro! Are we up to a break yet? We are coming in hot on a break. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, before we go to a break, I should let you know that at the end of this episode, we are each going to recommend a song to the track listing Spotify playlist. Our favorite outdoorsy song. I'm excited. I'm from the outdoorsy. Yeah. Yeah. I was always an indoor kid, uh, but, you know, I made an exception. I was an indoor kid that grew up in the outdoors, so it was a little bit of an awkward situation. Uh, And then after the break, I think Chris has a new game for us. That's right. That's right. Stay tuned. Hey, thank you guys for listening to the Tracklisting Podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. Hey! Hey! Thank you for listening to the Podcast. (laughs) Welcome to our ad. Uh, (laughs) How can they uh, reach out to us, Chris? Well, you can find us on Instagram. That is at Tracklisting Podcast. You can Gmail us. It's 2020 now. I don't know if people email anymore. But if if you want Gmail, it's uh, tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com. And rate and review on iTunes and Apple podcasts and make sure to follow our uh, official Spotify track listing playlist on Spotify. Get on that iTunes and try to balance out our one one star review. Yeah, who did that? (laughs) Hey! Hey! Thanks for listening. We love y'all. Welcome back to Stand By Me, the soundtrack. But first, Chris has a new game. Right. I like to call this game Switch Hits. Um, so this game, I'm going to play a clue for each of these uh, to you guys. And, um, you know, I don't know if you're a musician or you're an artist, you know, it, it takes a while to find your footing until you really hit it big. And sometimes musicians will start in a very different genre than what we know them for. So these okay. are some 
obscure albums I'm going to play for you guys, uh, these songs from these obscure albums, and you guys are going to try to guess who this artist is. This is before they were... Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Ready. All right. Let's hear a clue number one. A clue one. That song was released in 2001, and the genre was Christian Christian, rock. Christian rock, yeah. Christian rock. I listen to it. You know, I fancy myself a little bit of an expert when it comes to musical genres. Okay, all right. That was good. That was good ears. (laughs) Holy ears. Um, Is this a solo artist, or is this a band? This is a solo artist. Yeah, you guys can ask ask me questions. I want you guys to figure it out together, and I'll give you some more clues. Email vocalist, Christian Rock, 2000. What was the year again? 2001. 2001. Um, I kind of remember like Mandy Moore coming from a spot of Christian Rock. I'm not sure if that's going to be enough of a departure. I feel like we're going to all find out that these are like... uh, Slipknot. <laughs> that that would be a hard turn if this was Slipknot. <laughs> yeah, from, um, from a scale of Mandy Moore to Slipknot, are what? You, you're I in just, the oh, sorry. You're in the right vicinity with Mandy Moore. Like maybe Jessica Simpson, who fears our Lord. This is uh, uh, the title to this track is. Uh, Oh wait, hang on, I lost it. Sorry. Does um does Lady Gaga maybe have some skeletons in her closet? Ooh, okay. that would be great. Uh, I, I'm gonna I might be burning a guess here, and I feel like this is too early, but I know for a fact that Lana Del Rey tried on a lot of different hats. It is not Lana Del Rey. All right. She uh, had a one. she had a country hat on for a while. I'm she had a country back in my pocket for later. I might pull it out later. Cowgirl hat. <laughs> This the title of this album is this person's first name and then their old last name Hudson, and the name of this track is Faith Won't Fail, which you know whatever <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Ooh. Okay, so so when this artist got successful, how filthy did they get? <laughs> they got pretty filthy, but um, no, not super filthy. But um, of of all the type of people, she might be the. Leans more into the the dirty stuff. I think I maybe have something. Yeah, I feel like it's too late for Christina Aguilera. Is that possible? It is too late for Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Is is that a is that Miley Cyrus? Ooh, that's close. But um, Katy Perry. It is Katy Perry. It is Katy Perry, and under the moniker Katy Hudson, which I think is a real name. Yeah, she released a Christian rock and contemporary Christian album by Red Hill Records in 2001. When you have just a real stinker of a last name like Hudson. <laughs> oh, God. Got Run be- away. Thank you to Red Hill for doing uh, God's work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear yeah. a clue, too. Let's hear it. 
Michael Bublé was up to some <laughs> weird stuff early on. Uh, this is a 1982 album, uh, and it's of the punk genre, and uh, it's called Polywog is the name of the, or Polywog Stew, excuse me, is the name of the album. Oh. And you just heard Transit Cop by Polywog Stew. What was that Nickelodeon show that had one of the characters was Binya Binya Pollywog? That would be... Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, Gullah Gullah Island. Gullah Gullah Island. You got it. Deep cut, Pollywog. <laughs> Pollywog right. Steve was the name of the album. So, 1982? 1982. Is this a band that we think of as being a 90s band? It, they're definitely an 80s and in the 90s band. 80s band. First so big pretty- hit in the 80s how different is the genre that they are most famous for uh that's debatable but it's it's very different a very very different sound okay trying to think about synthesizer sounds i'm trying to think of 80s into the 90s like i wanted to say maybe like a psychedelic furs because i remember they started out way more punk and then kind of got new wave uh could this be the flaming lips no, that's too early. Too early. Uh, not, not the Flaming Lips. Um, is this a, is this a British band? It's UK. No, it is an American is it- band, and I'll I'll tell you this: their album uh, released in 1986 was uh, by Def Jam and Columbia Records. It's a big uh, wait. Is this, a, is this the Beastie Boys? This is the Beastie Boys. All this right, there the we Beastie go. Boys. Who are punk? I remember that they were a punk band. Yeah, I just heard them on a uh, podcast, and they were talking about their um, original guitar player. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. I used to uh, used to be like a band band. <laughs> it definitely, it reminds me of. I always talk about uh, Ministry's first couple recordings, but there was there was definitely a thing in the early '80s in America to put on a, a British accent. Yeah, and. <laughs> You can tell that they're doing like a Sex Pistols voice. Oh, yeah. Everyone was emulating <laughs> Johnny Rotten or something. Good stuff. Should we uh, jump into Clue 3? Let's do it. The unprepared ever time for someone else. Is your word a soundless song? The past is brave, a good gun song. And your heart may wear the rebel. What you the kind of hard to tell over the browser audio that we're listening through um but Sorry it kind of sounded like ozzy <laughs> like ozzy to me you guys is that ozzy that is ozzy osborne yeah! 1969 uh it was a demo album and their band at that time was called earth and then the same members switched <laughs> to black sabbath and uh, i guess that genre would be classified as a hippie gobbledygook uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then they just really leaned into that distortion. So yeah, yeah that, that's a distinctive voice. Yeah, I know, I know. I should have put that one first, <laughs> but good. <laughs> Ten points for both of you guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Here is clue four. The only good thing that's creeping in the city. Yeah, we can't pick you up. This one's mine. Japanese comment. It's such a pity. Yeah, yeah, ready. I'll see you inside. Main machine. Main machine. I'll grab the shade. Sunny, I'm gonna drive. Sounds like a uh, like a poor man's three eleven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what year? What year do we have on this? This was um, nineteen ninety five uh, in the new metal genre. Ninety five. This is like when corn is popping off in the new metal genre. I'll bet. I'll bet. Um, so I have an f- album called. I don't know if the dates line up, but I remember you making a point. We had we had a I think maybe the American Pie soundtrack where Sugar Ray was featured, and I remember Chris specifically <laughs> mentioning that Sugar Ray started off trying to be very hard and kicked the curb. Super Is that Mark McGrath and Friends of Sugar Ray? That, that is Sugar Mark Ray. McGrath. <laughs> hey, good memory. I was hoping you guys forgot that one because man, their first album. I listen to everything you say. I just rewatched that clip of Mark McGrath freaking out at that uh, teenager because he he <laughs> thinks he hears him say "sugar gay." Yeah, it's terrifying, man. And it's he that, almost like beats up a kid. It's pretty insane. Like fuck you, Mark McGrath. A residual new metal still in his blood, man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that was uh, off an album called Lemonade and Brownies, and their following album, Floored. Uh, all the songs sounded like that except for anybody anybody fly what it's called fly which hit number one and they were like oh that's what we gotta do and then they switched to like alternative rock slash reggae fusion i guess (laughs) oh man off the charts but always in your hearts sugar ray (laughs) all right well well done you guys uh thank you for the new game chris you know workshopping it workshopping it all right it's time to jump back into the soundtrack We are pulling back in on track number seven. This is The Coasters with Yakety Yak. Take out the papers and the trash. Or you don't get no spending cash. If you don't scrub that kitchen floor, you ain't gonna rock and roll no more. Yakety Yak! Don't go back. Just finish cleaning up your room. Let's see that dust fly with that broom. I listened to this thing so much when I was a kid that I there are certain songs that stuck with me back then as being too uh, kitschy. Yeah. So even as a little kid, I was like, ah, this is like something about this is too arch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also, this is like when I was talking about... Uh, a song like uh like sung and written by by you know people in their 30s and it's supposed to be from the point of view of like a 14 year old kid uh. <laughs> it's like, yeah it's like don't tell me what to do take out the paper and the trash it's the uh parents just that understand of its generation <laughs> yeah, yeah. most definitely most definitely school's out know. for summer this song's playing during that horrifying uh drag race sort of situation where yeah, yeah. just it's, this is 
<laughs> any other movie when it like flips to the terrifying villains and this is like what they're listening to <laughs> yeah, right. man they probably killed that log hauler <laughs> whatever like, no one bats an eye man there's no seat belts back then man <laughs> You like you stamp on the brakes too hard, you die. <laughs> Just go through a windshield that like slices you up because they didn't have shatterproof. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're made out of like diamond and there were nine people in that fucking Chrysler. Just everyone would have died, man. Ugh. Oh man, I remember uh, one of my best friends in high school. He drove this really amazing '65 Mustang that he like restored and and Whoa. did everything to. And uh, he called me one day because he was he was like at the mall and he pulled up to it was like a turn lane and he was just stopped there and some like Toyota Corolla or something didn't see him and just kind of like drove into him going, you know, maybe 35 miles per hour. And this Mustang crumpled like a tin can. Like I saw it. It looked there's no there's there's no like uh, they're so light and there was nothing, there was no consideration for like what happens if these cars get like hit by something. Yeah. There's no accountability. <laughs> it's fucking bananas. Like these old cars were like literal death traps. <sighs> Dude, there's a, there's a great, um, there's like how have cars improved over the years, like infographic. And then it like cuts to these like gifs of um, like <laughs> crash tests from like the fifties versus like crash tests now. And like, you know, a Toyota Corolla can handle like an oncoming semi, but like, you know, a, a poor spider from like, you know, the fifties, just like, it, it just gets shredded like a roller skate or something, man. Scary stuff. Uh, fun fact, uh, a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit of trivia here. The, uh, the coasters were the first group inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. Oh, oh, whoa. Sure. Hey, like 1987. That's rock this and roll? Early fucking rock and roll. It's tight. It's got saxophone, what you need. Always, every song needs a saxophone. <laughs> that was uh, that song was featured in uh, one of the Tinseltown Tunes clues. Do you want to remember who was singing it? Um, Was it like Joe Pesci or something in... Uh, it was uh, uh, heads in a duffel bag or so. I don't know, it, was uh, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins. Take <laughs> oh, out the paper and the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, rock and roll, baby. Yeah, let's dive into track number eight. This is Jerry Lewis with "Great Balls of Fire." Kisses the baby. Mm. Feels good. Holy oh, baby. Jerry Lee Lewis still kicking it at age 84. Still alive. This is, uh, to my knowledge, I think this is the first like great American musician to be canceled. <laughs> His nickname is The Killer. The Killer. Uh, pretty early after he, because he was part of the same like uh, young Elvis, Buddy Holly crew of like early white rockers that were uh, touring the U.S. And then he, uh, 
you know, he he married his thirteen year old cousin. Ah, <laughs> people Jerry. Were just, people were just like, "Gross, Jerry." Yeah. And he was—I should say—so he was, he was thirty. I mean, I think he was like only twenty-two, which is like, I mean, only twenty-two. But uh, I think that she was his third wife. Jesus he's Christ! Been, he's been married seven times. This guy's a this guy's a real piece of work. Oh man, I get I get a lot of a. Uh, Little Richard vibes from him in this song. I always did. In fact, I think I thought it was uh, a Little Richard song way back in the day. People like made a huge. Maybe when I say people, it's probably my parents. Uh, I remember when I learned about Jerry Lee Lewis, it was all about like, oh, like the piano playing. This guy, he changed everything. And it's like, I was like, yeah, this was like so early in like the story of rock and roll that people weren't sure whether it was going to be the guitar or the piano or the saxophone that was really going to be the main thing. And when yeah. Jerry Lewis came out, they're like, of course, it's the fucking piano. Everything's going to be people just shredding on piano. <laughs> and everybody's like, no, thank you. I do remember, so I'm a huge uh, Ric Flair fan, the uh, wrestler from the 80s to like still kind of today. Like he still like shows uh, up. Nature Boy Ric Flair is that yeah, the, the Nature Boy yeah. Ric Flair, and he's uh, he's famous for his uh, woo, his, his woo. And uh, there was some reporter asking him about the the woo, and he's like, "Now where where did that come from?" And he was like, "You know, I uh, I, I heard a song uh, by Jerry Lee Lewis called Great Balls of Fire,' and there's a there's a part where he just goes woo, and so I started adding that." To the end of all my, um, you know, my interviews, you know, all the uh, like, what do you call it, pre-fight interviews, or whatever. And uh, so that's where the, if anyone was ever curious, where the famous Nature Boy Woo, the Ric Flair Woo, huh. comes from, it's from that song. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's pretty interesting. Jerry Lee Lewis, I don't like this song very much. I haven't, I've never liked it that much. I think it's a combination of the cousin thing and just the, the fucking piano shreds. Yeah, I never <laughs> knew that. That's extremely great. That was like so early on. And uh, I mean, we're talking about in the age of like Chuck Berry getting periodically locked up. It's like <laughs> things didn't, you know, they didn't go that public. Whereas like the Jerry Lee Lewis thing like really did. I think it actually kind of ruined his career mm. rightfully. <laughs> well, maybe this uh, next artist will uh, cheer things up a bit. This is track nine. These are the Bobettes with Mr. Lee. One, two, three. Hey. Look at Mr. Lee. Three, four, five. Hey. Look at him, John. Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Hop, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Hop, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Hop, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. I'm in my sweetest. Bobettes from uh, East Harlem, New York, originally known as the Harlem Queens. A much better name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> much better. Look, I love the Isn't... sound. You got to do something about the name. Harlem Queen? Come on. How about Bobettes? <laughs> Dude, uh, this song hilariously, it was originally written as a song making fun of one of their teachers. And then it's like, listen, guys. First of all, you got to change your name to the Bobettes. Second of all, 
nobody wants to hear a song about you making fun of how about a song about you wanting to fuck your teacher <laughs> it's like oh okay we'll be jimmy some of the lyrics around i guess we could do that god damn <laughs> i like i like that track it's 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 kind of in the you know Barry Gordy era, like <laughs> era, of just like, hey, sing into this can, and uh, we'll pay you just twenty dollars to sign. <laughs> just, got that like kind of crazy good. Uh, I don't know if you'd say like a Bill Haley guitar, like kind of like some virtuoso guitar. Whoever is working on that track, this uh, this song is playing when Vern initially tells them about the dead body, which you know could have gone. A completely different way like it's funny that they're all on board to to go check it out like, it's like guys there's a dead body we gotta go see it no one's like whoa are you serious I'll tell my mom that i'm sleeping at your house and you tell your mom that you're sleeping in my house and we'll disappear for a few days and no one will know because it's 1959 honestly <laughs> i mean even like i grew up out in uh in the woods and it was kind of that like i don't know we all just like go to sleep at somebody's house and you just go out in the woods and just try to find something interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, like my dad, he grew up in Seattle and I remember stories of him in the summers, like, uh, his best friend, uh, their family had like a couple sailboats. One of them was like this little sailboat. And when my dad was like, again, not even in high school, probably, you know, 14, 15 or something on the summer, they would just jump on, on the sailboat and they would like go up, they would sail up into Canada. They would just be gone for like a month. <laughs> Nobody cared. Yeah, man, that's the dream. Different times. Yeah, yeah, man. Did you guys? Do you guys recall any time uh, that you did something like totally reckless as a twelve-year-old? Mm, I was scared of pretty much everything. <laughs> I was too, was... but I, I did a lot of hitchhiking. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, when I was up in uh, like Rhode Island, I would just hitchhike places like not far but like it, it it's like a two mile walk into town and i would ask i would like just put my thumb out and like get rides from strangers as like a 12 or 13 year old <laughs> i don't know i don't know why i did it we yeah, kind of did a lot of reckless stuff we did when around the age of 12 was like either jackass oriented things like mm-hmm. you know riding a mongoose bicycle off the roof into a bush yeah <laughs> or um <laughs> Not it's that bike, it's even, even that rebellious, but like me and my buddy, uh, like crawled up on my roof and like, I took my guitar and my amplifier up there and, um, he, he was a bagpipe player and, uh, we just, we just unleashed on the neighborhood. Man, you fucking <laughs> nutcases, just dude. Like, you've never seen, you've never seen more angry neighbors than when like two 12 year olds are blasting guitar and bagpipe music off a roof in a suburban neighborhood in Houston. <laughs> Dropkick Murphys, baby. Yeah, we were w- way ahead of the time on that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know. I loved fireworks. I loved you yeah, know, yeah. shooting BB guns and stuff. I will say my brother and I, we like uh we we like collected a bunch of gunpowder and we would make like little IEDs, but nobody seemed to mind. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody cared. Nobody cared. <laughs> Guys, we are pulling into the last track. This is a, a little shorty, a little shorty right. soundtrack. Yeah. This is Ben E. King with Stand By Me. I won't cry. I won't cry. No, I won't shed a tear just as long as you stand. Stand by me. 
That song has been like recorded over 400 times. Yeah, yeah. Written by uh, Lieber and Stoller, kind of famous songwriting team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benny King, I think, was one of the original members of the Drifters. Yep. We're like a big kind of like a early, early R&B group. You know, the name of the novella that Stephen King wrote was The Body. And yeah. uh, Stand By Me was just one of the names Rob Reiner threw out because apparently um, the producers thought that like uh, the body is a bit misleading. It could be like a bodybuilder, like some sex movie. So like, let's give it a better name. And they said this was the um, least unpopular choice that they had. <laughs> just <laughs> kind of makes sense. If you saw a poster, it was like Stephen King's The Body. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> My dad doesn't care about me. <laughs> ah, such a great song. This song, yeah, it's definitely burrowed like deep into my psyche. It's been covered by some great artists like uh Otis Redding, John Lennon, um Susie and the Banshees. Zeppelin even did a cover of it and uh, Florence and the Machine. Ah. Ah. it's definitely like one of the greatest songs of all time i'd say as far as i mean bold statement maybe but i don't know no the congress entered it into their like you know collection of awesome songs finally (laughs) finally they got something right (laughs) oh man i wish it was called that (laughs) congress's greatest hits awesome songs bro it's the songs they like send out into space when they launch like a satellite you know just like playing this song as it drifts through the universe hey we're from earth you want to hear some awesome songs bro (laughs) it's on a cold record bro awesome songs enjoy (laughs) this is uh this plays over the end credits um but also is like kind of uh i guess who is it uh Nietzsche, Jack, Jeff, or Jack Nietzsche, who did like the score for this? Um, mm-hmm. He kind of writes a, a bit of this song for the score. You can kind of hear it. Oh yeah, yeah. This the it's like a motif that kind of goes throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in rewatching this film, I, I think it was a little bit. Um, I mean, nostalgia in like kind of sh- uh, movies about coming of age are, I think, by their nature, kind of. Uh, little bit saccharine but they i forgot that they like double down where i was like these kids are all like sad and angry and there's a lot of emotional like you're gonna get out of this town like you're not you're not terrible just because of your family and you're like okay and then it's like richard drive is like i hadn't seen my best friend in years and then he got stabbed to death in a fight trying to it's like what yeah, yeah, he got stabbed at a bar, at a fast food restaurant. Uh, he was trying to break. He was a good Samaritan trying to break up a fight. Yeah, he's like worked his way through law school, stabbed <laughs> to death in a diner. Yeah, it was a fast food restaurant, which, like, if mentioned by name, would have made it so much sadder. It's like, yeah, he was 
stabbed to death at a white castle uh you know during his lunch break <laughs> Corey feldman's character where did he end up it's like yeah he uh he was in prison for a while and now he's uh still in the town just doing like odd jobs but odd jobs. Uh, he, he basically becomes the like the junkyard guy yeah 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 um in the novella all all three friends have died and uh, <laughs> Rob Reiner thought it was like a little too intense. He was like, we "Can't come on, man!" <laughs> like Jerry O'Connell's. I mean, he was a he was a fat kid when he was young, and then he grew up and he got even fatter. Oh, he's the fattest kid alive. Oh, he got so fat that he died. He's the forklift guy. Yeah. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> he uh, drives the forklift to the lumberyard. That's that's <laughs> oof bleak. That's another that's another yeah. Stephen King uh, trope when he's kind of like. It's like, oh, I, I remember fondly growing up in that small main town. Nobody ever got out of that town. They all died there. <laughs> You're like, what? I'm the only one that got out, actually. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm the only one that got out, and uh, I've got this shitty kid who's begging me to go to the beach at the end of the movie. It's like, Dad, come on. My dad's a fucking loser. <laughs> he's, like, like, oh. he's like, just a minute. They're like, you said just a minute, like an hour and a half ago, and he's he kind of like chuckles. Yeah, <laughs> and the, you know he's he's typing on his early early. Uh, yeah, it's like know. an like an Apple uh, like a pre Mac like Apple SE or something. Yeah. I yeah. those things Apple two. <laughs> yeah, I was I instantly just thinking like he he just turns off the computer. What if he was like, ah, I didn't save. Ah, damn. <laughs> that's the first. That's the exact thing that I noticed. Yeah, he <laughs> he finishes the last thing and he's like, you know, does anyone really have friends as good friends as you do when you're 12 years old? Yeah. And he kind of smiles to himself, gets up, and just turns the computer off. <laughs> like dude, 86. Like, no! 86. I can tell you for a fact that things didn't automatically save for another like 25 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still, yeah, still. I, I'm old enough that I'm too afraid to close something without saving it. Or yeah. something. I back up everything to a floppy, man, just in case. All my <laughs> never closes any software till it's done. Yeah. <laughs> nice uh, pick, Caleb. That's the uh, Stand by Me you guys, soundtrack. Yeah. You guys were listening to this with me. Absolutely. Yeah, shout out to uh, Richard Dreyfus, who my uncle badgered one time at a party. It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus is a huge movie star that apparently everybody hated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Murray threw an ashtray <laughs> at his face. Yeah, maybe for no reason. That was, that's <laughs> just a wiener. Who knows? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, before we get to recommendations, we do have to review the soundtrack. Uh, Chris, do you want to lead off? How do you feel about the Stand By Me soundtrack out of 15 high school friends? <laughs> 15 dead bodies by a train track? Oh, yeah. dark. I would say, um, yeah, I, I normally write down uh, where all these songs appear, but I kind of checked out when it was like, they're again on the train track, and this is also when they're walking on the train track. Oh, and this is right after they get off the train track, but... um. Anyway, this this is a beautiful soundtrack. All these songs are great. It fits the movie um, perfectly. You know, it's of the time. Uh, it, you know, there's that thing that we always talk about, like, well, now that you have uh, 30 years perspective, you can easily pick out what the, the great songs are. But um, a lot of diagenetic, a lot of diegetic, excuse me. Right. Diegetic. Diegetic. A lot of diegetic sound in it and that the kids are listening to these songs on the radio or it's in the car. 
which I always love. Um, I got to give this a really good rating. I'm going to give it a 13.5. Very good. 13.5 friends who never got out of fucking Castle Rock. <laughs> I'm the only one that got out. I was one of the one and a half people that got out. Now I'm doing odd jobs. <laughs> odd jobs. In and out of prison. These sad, disgusting pieces. Of- hey, Nick, how did you feel about this soundtrack? You know, having watched the movie for the first time uh, this afternoon, thought it was great. Did you cry? Um, I did not cry. Yep. No, no tears were shed. Yeah. Um, you know, reminded me of a simpler time mm-hmm. where there were no cell phones and I could get on my bike and, you know, bike around for a bunch of hours and just like be a free little kid and not have a worry in the world and just like go on adventures with my buddies. That was, it was the best. Yeah. I hate to, I hate to interrupt you, but I, I don't want to forget to say this at kind of the central thesis at the end of the film is that you never have uh, friends that are as close to you as you do when you're 12. You know, you guys are like much better friends than me than I think anybody I knew when I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Zero out of 15. Uh, Zero out of 15 uh, adult friends. <laughs> And for the, and you know, speaking for the soundtrack, uh, the soundtrack is great. It's like a warm blanket of mm-hmm. great soul music and doo-wop music. Uh, no trip hop on the uh, soundtrack. Which take, a, take a couple oh, yeah. points off. A little off of bummed that. out by, but i uh, going to have to dock <laughs> it for that. Uh, I'm going to give this an 11.2 uh, adult friends. 11.2 adult friends. All right, so I did recommend uh, the soundtrack. This is my pick. And this is, it's funny because early rock and roll is not a genre that I actually really listen to much. I listen to a ton of soul. I don't listen to much doo-wop. So it's funny to like revisit all these songs, but they're, like I said, this is a soundtrack that I had so early that every single like note of every song is like lodged deep into my lizard brain. Uh, even though like certain tracks, I, I always, I, even as a kid, I thought were like kind of too kitschy and now I'll be like, Oh, like lollipop up. But then like halfway through, I'm just like doing the thing with my, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fucking great. This is a great soundtrack. I'm going to give it a 13.2 classic soundtrack. All right. All right. That'll take us straight into recommended tracks. Recommended tracks. So I'll go first if you guys don't mind recommending my favorite outdoorsy song. One of my favorite outdoorsy songs to the track listing Spotify playlist. Um, the song that I'm recommending is actually, what year is it from? This is from 2008. Um, a band that I, I really geeked out on for a few years. And then I've just kind of recently gone back to a little bit called uh, Okerville River. Ockerville River. Ockerville. Ockerville River out of Austin, Texas. Yeah. Texas band. Oh, yeah. Um, this is off of their fifth album. I think it was the first single. And it's actually a little, little bit of a duet. Um, it's the Ockerville River's lead singer, Will Chef, I think is his name. And also um, Jonathan Meberg, who is the lead singer of Shearwater, which is a band that uh, Nick and I saw together. Nick's friend was drumming for them at the time. Shout um, out to uh, Danny Reich. Danny Reich. Um, this is a song called um, Lost Coastlines. Sailing is fine, leaving behind all the faces that I might replace 
if I've tried on that long ride Looking deep inside, but I don't wanna look so deep inside yet Sit down, sit down on the prow to wave back There might not be another star Further on the say that like any song that just has like the slightest hint of a croonery uh morrissey vibe i'm just like immediately in yeah <laughs> yeah that's, it that's, doesn't matter what the, it is i'm in that's the guy from Shearwater, and uh yeah. yeah i'm drawn to it too but this is yeah it's definitely like um white guy rock song makes you dance like a white guy but i'm into it it's a little bit of a metaphor for i think probably being on tour but uh if taken literally it's about you know, going through the the country and seeing like towns go by as you go down a river. Yeah, beautiful. Very good. Excellent pick, Caleb. Uh, Chris, what have you got for us for an outdoorsy pick? I've got a sauce called In a Big Country by a band called Big Country. That qualifies. That counts. <laughs> Let's hear a little bit of that. Uh, excellent pick some a, like, cool plucky sounds and some like fleetwood mac like little kernels yeah scottish band scottish kind of a little band. bit of uh nick on the rooftop style bag bagpipes coming <laughs> yeah, yeah little dropkick murphy's <laughs> celtic rock there for you uh you know tugs at my scottish heartstrings uh that's where my family's both from um but yeah i, I think it's always a, a a big dick move to uh name a song after your band name on your first album too and then like have that be your only big hit <laughs> yes i think there's one like if you're listening to bet it's the song bad company by bad company <laughs> on their self-titled album bad, bad company, company. <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's all great <laughs> yeah. uh yeah the band talk talk i think one of their biggest hits is called talk talk <laughs> off of their first album talk talk yeah <laughs> It's like, look, it, it, you feel like Big Country knew it. They're like, I think we got one hit in the hopper. They came out with like nine albums after this, but they're like, let's just, this is going to be it in a big country. Let's do it. And it, I think it received a ton of, uh, it actually charted higher in the US than it did in uh, the UK. But I think that was due to MTV just was playing their music video over and over again when they were kind of. Well, probably because this is a bigger country. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Okay. Not a very big country. Not as big. Not that big. Great jam, though. One of my all-time favorite songs. Great yeah, pick. Great pick, Chris. Nikki, what do you have for us? I've got a track from 2015. This is by Dr. Packer. This is a track called Sunshine. Let's hear a little bit of that.
Dr. Packer is a um, kind of like a DJ remix guru out of uh, Australia. And uh, yeah, he's uh, on this same album. This is from the album Boogie Grinder. And uh, the first track on the album is the song Boogie Down, which is his re-edit of the uh, Al Jarreau track Boogie Down, which is uh, like definitely better than the, I mean, the original is great, but like his version is like, you know, the jam. <laughs> he definitely like uh, enhanced it in, in the best way possible. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what he's been up to recently, but uh, he's got some great remixes and re-edits kind of in the Todd Terrier territory of uh, disco remixes nice yeah. yeah i remember the first time i heard uh this track is when you were djing on a rooftop oh probably two years ago oh yeah that was uh that was at our wicked lady in yeah. uh, in bushwick which i think is uh hopefully going to reopen after you know when they're able to hopefully they're not one of the places that shutters but uh yeah shout out to our wicked lady as well yeah. yeah, and your friend was playing the bagpipe right next to you, right? Wasn't that the deal? Yeah, it was kind of a weird set. Um, <laughs> the song was going good, but then as soon as he like you know put the drones in, yeah, uh, you know, the place cleared out. Yeah, okay, cleared well, out real they're quick. Lost. They're lost. <laughs> no one understands the dropkick Murphys. <laughs> Underrated. Oh man, oh, boy. Well, I. You know, it's not lost on me that uh, that you two are uh, are some of my closest friends, and this movie was uh, about friendship. And uh, you know, I don't know when I was when I was watching this movie, I was thinking about my own friends. I'm like, yeah, who who am I still in touch with from 12 versus like who uh, are my friends now? So um, what I'm saying is, I'm never going to make it out of this town. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people always talk about. Uh how you kind of lose your lust for life. But I swear to God, man, if I knew that there was a dead kid somewhere, I would love to go hiking with you guys <laughs> yeah. and just try to try to get in the fucking paper. Yeah, man. Well, great. Pick. <laughs> Thank you, Caleb, for uh, bringing us the soundtrack to stand by me this week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching the movie. Hope everyone's staying safe. See you soon. <laughs>